0: Are you a born again Christian with Catholic friends or family members? Have you struggled with how to bring up the truth of Jesus' salvation? I had the same problem, so I put together a free ebook, The Catholic Mission Field in Our Backyards. It's a guide to help you start the conversation and plant the seed that will get them thinking Am I missing something? Check it out. It's a free download on my website. You'll find the link in the show notes. Oh, please. Let me know if it helped you. Jeremiah 10 and 11. For salvation, God needs a true attitude of surrender. Surrender. The word conjures up images of an army surrendering to a more powerful opponent. It's when you know, deep in your soul, that you can't win no matter how hard you try. It's when you give up. There's no more fight in you. That's exactly how God needs us to be if we want his salvation. His assurance of a one-way, nonstop, take it to heaven. He needs us to give up our pride, self-esteem, self-reliance, and submit to him only. That means giving up our lifestyles, that we've grown accustomed to and are comfortable in. In today's chapters, we find a frustrated prophet who's given his all to tell the people of Judah that they'd better give up their idolatrous lifestyles or they will face the consequences. It's a message for us today also. Let's dig in. Jeremiah 10, idolatry brings destruction. Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O Israel. This is what the Lord says. Do not act like the other nations who try to read their future in the stars. Do not be afraid of their predictions, even though other nations are terrified by them. Their ways are futile and foolish. They cut down a tree and a craftsman carves an idol. They decorate it with gold and silver, then fasten it securely with hammer and nails so it won't fall over. Their gods are like helpless scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak and they need to be carried because they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of such gods for they can neither harm you nor do they do any good lord there is no one like you for you are great and your name is full of power who would not fear you O king of nations that title belongs to you alone among all the wise people of the earth and all the kingdoms of the world there is no one like you people who worship idols are stupid and foolish the things they worship are made of wood they bring Beaten sheets of silver from Tarshish and gold from Uphaz. And they give these materials to skillful craftsmen who make their idols. Then they dress these gods in royal blue and purple robes made by expert tailors. But the Lord is the only true God. He is the living God the, and the everlasting King. The whole earth trembles at his anger. The nations cannot stand up to his wrath. Say this to those who worship other gods. Quote, your so-called gods who did not make the heavens and earth will vanish from the earth and from under the heavens. Unquote. That's verse 11. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But the Lord made the earth by his power and he preserves it by his wisdom with his own understanding he stretched out the heavens when he speaks in the thunder the heavens roar with rain he causes the clouds to rise over the earth and he sends lightning with the rain and releases the wind from his storehouses the whole human race is foolish and has no knowledge the craftsmen are disgraced by the idols they make for they carefully shaped for their carefully shaped works are a fraud. These idols have no breath or power. Idols are worthless. They are ridiculous lies. On the day of reckoning, they will all be destroyed. But the God of Israel is no idol. He is the creator of everything that exists, including Israel, his own special possession. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. The coming destruction. Pack your bags and prepare to leave. The siege is about to begin, for this is what the Lord says. Suddenly I will fling out all you who live in this land. I will pour great troubles upon you, and last, and at last you will feel my anger. My wound is severe and my grief is great. My sickness is incurable, but I must bear it. My home is gone and no one is left to help me rebuild it. That's the temple. It's gone. My children have been taken away and I will never see them again. The shepherds of my people have lost their senses, leadership. They no longer seek wisdom from the Lord. Therefore, they fail completely and their flocks are scattered. People scatter all over the place. Listen, hear the terrifying roar of great armies as they roll down from the north. The towns of Judah will be destroyed and become a haunt for jackals. Jeremiah's prayer. Verse 23, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. So correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger, for I will die. Pour out your wrath on the nations that refuse to acknowledge you, on the peoples that do not call upon your name. For they have devoured your people, Israel, Jacob. They have devoured and consumed them, making the lands a desolate, Wilderness that was Jeremiah 11. So here's some points to ponder. The spirit of fear leads people who don't have a strong relationship with Jesus to turn to idolatry, mysticism, the occult, astrology crystals, humanism, earth worship, etc. I was very much into astrology and a little curious about the occult when I was in high school and college. The Catholic Church certainly wasn't providing what I needed, so I started looking elsewhere. That's exactly what happened back in Jeremiah's day. Fear overcame faith. The shepherds, the leaders of the people, led them astray. Even when Josiah found that Josiah was the good king, found the book of the law, the people listened for a while. However, their hearts weren't in it. They didn't fully surrender to the one true God. As soon as Josiah died, they went back to their pagan idol worship because there was no one to guide them in the right direction. Jesus is the shepherd we must follow. No one, no church, nothing else. By the way, just because a practice was pagan in the past doesn't mean it can't be revived to honor Jesus like the Christmas tree. And this is December 21st, so we're we're in Christmas season. Pastor Sandy Adams explains, as far as I'm concerned, he says, a Christmas tree has nothing to do with paganism. It represents the Christ. It's evergreen, which speaks of everlasting life. The lights are reminders of Jesus, the light of the world, and the fact we too should be lights for him. Even gold garland seems fitting for a king. that's Pastor Sandy Adams. Verse 11, I quoted earlier, was originally written in Aramaic, the language of the Babylonians. Your so-called gods, the little g gods, who did not make the heavens and earth will vanish from the earth and from under the heavens. Okay. Now it was directed to them, to the Babylonians. The triune God is the only entity that requires our worship. No one or nothing else. That message goes for us too. In Jeremiah's prayer, he acknowledges um, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. That is so true. I look back at my life and I see the hand of God guiding me, warning me, stopping me, helping me. Proverbs 16:9 says, "We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps." If we surrender our lives to Jesus and allow him to be our GPS, Rather than just call on him when we are in trouble, our lives will be blessed. I know mine has been. Jeremiah chapter 7 through 10 are known as the temple discourses. God sent him to speak to the people at the temple. God was giving the people a chance to repent, a chance to turn from their idolatrous ways and turn to the one true God. We must worship the creator, not the creation. Mother Nature had a father and his name is Yahweh. Jesus is king and should be first in our lives. We cannot replace him with something else. Going on. Now, going on to um, chapter 12, or chapter 11, I should say. Jeremiah's work, um, Pastor Sandy Adams has an opening comment on this chapter and I quote, Jeremiah's work was anything but enjoyable. He preached a message of repentance to an obstinate bunch. God gave him the task of presiding over the judgment of his backslidden people, Judah. Jeremiah tried and cried to reach these people. He sacrificed his freedoms, his position, his land, his possessions, his comforts. He even waived his right to marry and have a family. Yet his sacrifices won him nothing but hostility and hardship. Prophet was not exactly that job where he enjoyed expressing himself. If Jeremiah had any sense of fulfillment, it came not from his work, but from God's word. Jeremiah was a lone voice. He confronted and stood alone against both political and priestly establishments. In his 40 years of ministry, he never won a single convert. From a career oriented perspective, Jeremiah was an utter miserable failure. Yet God appraises success differently than we do. Eternal success is measured not only in terms of fulfillment, but faithfulness. Keep that in mind as we study these next two chapters. Jeremiah 11, Judah's broken covenant. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, remind the people of Judah and Jerusalem about the terms of my covenant with them. Say to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, cursed is anyone who does not obey the terms of my covenant. For I said to your ancestors when I brought them out of the iron-smelting furnace of Egypt, if you obey me and do whatever I command you, then you will be my people and I will be your God. I said this so I could keep my promise to your ancestors to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, the land you live in today. Then I, Jeremiah, replied, Amen, Lord, may it be so. But the Lord said, broadcast this message in the streets of Jerusalem. Go from town to town throughout the land and say, remember the ancient covenant and do everything it requires. For I solemnly warned your ancestors when I brought them out of Egypt, obey me. I have repeated this warning over and over to this day, but your ancestors did not listen or even pay attention. Instead, They stubbornly followed their own evil desires. And because they refused to obey, I brought upon them all the curses described in this covenant. Again, the Lord spoke to me and said, I have discovered a conspiracy against me among the people of Judah and Jerusalem. They have returned to the sins of their ancestors. They have refused to listen to me and are worshiping other gods. Israel and Judah have broken Both broken the covenant I made with their ancestors. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I am going to bring calamity upon them and they will not escape. Though they beg for mercy, I will not listen to their cries. Then the people of Judah and Jerusalem will pray to their idols and burn incense before them. But the idols will not save them when disaster strikes look now people of judah you have as many gods as you have towns you have as many altars of shame altars for burning incense to your god Baal, as there are streets in jerusalem verse 14 pray no more for these people jeremiah do not weep or pray for them for i will not listen to them when you when they cry out to me in distress this is the second time God has told Jeremiah to stop praying for these people. They're a lost cause. Verse 15. What right do my beloved people have to come to my temple when they have done so many immoral things? Can their vows and sacrifices prevent their destruction? They actually rejoice in doing evil. I, the Lord, once called them a thriving olive tree. Beautiful to see and full of good fruit. But now I have sent the fury of their enemies to burn them with fire, leaving them charred and broken. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, who planted this olive tree, Israel, have ordered it destroyed. For the people of Israel and Judah have done evil, arousing my anger and burning incense to hell. A plot against Jeremiah, verse 18. Then the Lord told me about the plots my enemies were making against me. I was like a lamb being led to the slaughter. I had no idea they were planning to kill me. Let's destroy this man and all his words, they said. Let's cut him down so his name will be forgotten forever. O Lord of heaven's armies, you make righteous judgments and you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them for I have committed my cause to you. This is what the Lord says about the men of Anatoth, that's uh, Jeremiah's hometown, who wanted me dead. They said, we will kill you if you do not stop prophesying in the Lord's name. So this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says about them. I will punish them. Their young men will die in battle. Their boys and girls will starve to death. Not one of these plotters from Anatoth will survive, for I will bring disaster upon them when their name of when their time of punishment comes. The Old Covenant. Well, that was the end of Jeremiah 12. Well, God's covenant with the Israelites was simple, in Sandy Adams' comments. Remember the Old Covenant, the covenant God made with Moses and the nation when he brought them out of Egypt, consisted of three components. First was the law or commandments, moral, civil, and ceremonial. Second was the sacrificial system. For when they broke the law, there were sacrifices and priests to offer them in a tabernacle to house them. And third, there were the blessings and curses. God would reward the nation's obedience with great blessing, but he punished their rebellion with curses. And God preferred the blessings. He wanted to establish them in a land flowing with milk and honey. It was the people of Judah that insisted on the curses. Psalm seventy-eight forty-one says the Jews limited the Holy One of Israel. Literally, there were blessings God intended for his people that he had to scratch off because of their unbelief. His grace went to waste. Rather than the milk and honey, Judah would taste the tart and bitter. They had a choice, sweet or sour. Judah chose sour. And Jeremiah's response was, so be it, Lord. That was from Sandy Adams. Sin blocks the blessings of God and unblocks the curses. The first step in obtaining the gift of grace and salvation that Jesus freely gives us is to have an attitude of repentance, remorse, and surrender. Admit that you are a sinner and stop sinning. You must willingly submit yourself to Jesus. No one can convert you. No one can coerce you. You can't be pushed. So many gods, little g-gods. Back in Jeremiah's day, there was a god for every city, even every street. That's how it was in ancient Rome, too. When I was doing research for my novel, it hit me that the same type of paganism exists today. In Hispanic Roman Catholic cultures, there's a patron saint for every city, and streets are named after saints. They hold feast days, celebrations for the Roman Catholic saints and different apparitions of Mary. It prompted me to write um, the article, So Many Gods. And you got to click on over my blog and check it out. Okay. Not too long ago, I saw this graphic on Twitter and I've got it embedded in my blog. Uh, it's on the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Okay. And this appearance was in Mexico. I'm in Phoenix. We even have a town uh, in the Phoenix Valley uh in the east valley called guadalupe okay and it's all based around this apparition okay and this graphic is 100 percent paganism which is abhorrent to god um even mentions the aztecs and i found today i, I just i just searched um uh, in pixabay and i found another graphic of a statue of our lady of Guadalupe it's a man-made statue but they've got these rays that look like i don't know what i mean it looks it it looks dangerous it looks terrible um and at the bottom left i see somebody holding something um and and the whole thing is just pure pagan worship and it has nothing to do with jesus absolutely nothing to do with jesus So you have to read the Bible and learn the truth. As a kid growing up Catholic, not once was I encouraged to read the Bible. It's God's word. That's why when the culture of the 60s and 70s started infiltrating my life through TV shows, movies and music, I fell for it. I dove in headfirst and was lost in it for a very long time. I had nothing to stand on. I was deprived of the gospel, the good news and the salvation of Jesus god's gift of grace and worst of all i had no moral compass you can check out the links to my story and testimony on the bottom of my blog alexander hamilton said those who stand for nothing fall for anything That is so true on what do you stand false doctrine fear pagan religion nothing if you don't have a strong biblical worldview, you can easily fall for the lies Satan speaks and the idea of viruses that our culture is infected with. And Those aren't health related. The only salvation is through Jesus Christ. So if you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit to get a one-way, non-stop ticket to heaven after you die, or that you won't be left behind at the rapture. What you have to do is believe repent be baptized and receive the holy spirit believe have faith that jesus is the christ and he died taking your sins away forever for all that he rose from the dead three days later then repent of your sins stop sinning do a complete 180 degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him be baptized show the world and yourself that you have died your old life and are born again in christ and then receive the holy spirit in your heart simply invite jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life you don't know what to say you don't know what to do there's a prayer in the show notes or you can click on over to my blog click where it says how to invite jesus into your heart and in the bottom of today's blog i have a video the false doctrine of mary it's very interesting and then i've got one of my favorite hymns which it just tells the truth it just sings the truth in christ alone solely there, gloria to god alone be the glory <laughs> If you're a born-again believer helping a Catholic friend or family member start reading the Bible, it's a great idea to give them one. But which version or translation would be a good one for them? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. And I know many evangelical Christians are very much attached to the King James Version. That's fine if that's what you grew up with. Remember, Catholics have grown up with priests and nuns telling them they don't need to read the Bible. All they have to do is trust the church to teach them what they need to know. Only they don't, and that's the problem. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and and stopped reading it. Totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the new international version, or the NIV and that was the best for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today I also study from the New King James Version or NKJV and the New Living Translation, the NLT. I'm now an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors and I've chosen three study Bibles that would be a great gift for that Catholic or progressive friend whom you'd like to help get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. They are also a great they're also great for the new Christian believer check them out. The link is in the show notes. And by the way, all commissions will be donated to one or more of the Bible translating ministries listed on my site. So give the gift of the word of God and help spread the word while you're at it. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times, But know that things aren't falling apart. They are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20 to 22, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne.